Lord God, you keep every promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to call our pastor to the platform. Hallelujah. the light in the darkness. He is the light in the darkness. He is the light in the darkness. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my way maker. He's my peace. He's my joy. Hallelujah. Whoa. He is my light in the darkness. Even in the darkness of this day and hour that we're living in, He is my light that shineth from above. He is my God. He is the answer to all my needs and my situations. That is who He is. He's a miracle worker. One more time. He's a miracle worker. One more time. Hey, He's a miracle worker. When you're in need of him, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That's who he is. He's a way maker. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
I believe that's where the world is today. We're in a place where they don't know, the world doesn't know what to do. But I know there is one that has went to a cross and died for their sins. And when he went to his grave, he rose again so that you and I might have life once again in him, in Jesus' name. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. If you know anything about me, I'm going to flow in the Holy Ghost before I worry about what we're going to do in teaching or preaching. Because the power of God, having or experiencing the power of God, there's something about the presence of the Lord that changes the atmosphere. It changes the flow of the service. Creates in us a mind to want to receive the gospel, the word of God. You know that Wednesday nights we've been teaching on the nine tests. Every Christian must face. At some point in your life, you will face them. Number one was the wilderness test. That's dry places when you've been praying. You feel like, you, you, you feel like they're hitting the ceiling. Prayers are just dropping back down that God does not hear your prayers. We taught on two was the time test, being patient and waiting on the Lord when you've prayed and you've asked for something or you've petitioned the Lord. Three was motivation test, and that was for good or bad. Do you seek God or do you serve God for all that he can do for you or do you just serve God because of who he is? Then there was the failure test, and all of us will go through that. At some point in our walk with God, we will fail in our walk with God. The self-will test, and that is, is that God will allow you to override his will with your will. He will not come against your will. You have to be willing to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Even though I don't want his will in that moment in my life because I don't know that it's really for my good, Lord, thy will be done. Again, he will not override man's self-will talked about the discouragement test last week many of us get discouraged in our walk with God and sometimes we turn away from God but you will be discouraged in your walk with God you're going to be tested in your walk with God today is the misunderstanding test many of us have had misunderstandings and we have dealt with misunderstanding and if you'd turn with if you'd stand with me for the reading of the word in Luke 19:10, we do welcome each and every one of you online tonight. May the Lord richly bless you. Uh, just encourage you to be careful tomorrow, whatever the weather comes, whatever the weather brings. Um, we do have a prayer service on Friday if the weather permits it. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to put it to you this way. This is not to come and just be praying silently and woe is me prayers we are combating against darkness and the attack of satan against the church and against prodigals and against backsliders and against our what what's happening in our community amen, amen. and so I, I i'm not trying to detour you but if you're not coming to call fire from heaven don't come it's strictly going to be a time of fire calling from heaven seeking the face of god some of us, our faces will be in the ground. Some of us will be weeping. Some of us will be uh, crying, seeking the face of God. I would like you to remember Sister Jones's mother, Phyllis Clark. Uh, I know we prayed earlier, but um, we, she needs God more than anything in her life, and she needs healing. So if you just remember Phyllis Clark, that God would move and intervene in her behalf. Luke 19.10. In the New King James Version, it says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 10.10 10 says this in the New King James Version, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Hebrews 12.3 in the New King James says this, for consider him who endured such hostility, hostility, excuse me, hostility, hostility 
from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. You may be seated in Jesus' name. So as you know, the nine tests every Christian must face, tonight's lesson number seven, it's the misunderstanding uh, lesson, and parents and their children of today consistently struggle to understand each other. We know that today. Even today, uh, even though we have uh, grown-up children, we struggle to understand. Uh, we struggle to understand them, and and they struggle to understand us. But we also struggle to understand uh, to understand those whom we work with uh, and and live around. Right? We uh, deal with trying to understand them. Often misunderstandings arise that hinder progress and relationships and a peace of mind. Misunderstandings will bring confusion and stress on the mind. And uh, usually a misunderstanding occur because of the gaps that we have to deal with. There's a generation gap. That's your first one. There's a generation gap. There's a social gap. There's an educational gap. There is a religious gap, and there is a culture gap. You see, the differences between individuals often lead to misunderstandings. Misunderstanding is defined as to fail to understand, to interpret incorrectly. So misunderstandings are common and can start a destructive cycle of discouragement, arguments, quarrels, that may last for a short period of time, or it could last for a long period of time. All right? Or a lifetime. Sometimes they last a lifetime because someone was not willing to go, I didn't quite understand that. Would you mind explaining that one more time? Even if my emotions are high or running high, I have found that it's best for me to go, I don't really understand what you're saying, would you please repeat that one more time? And if I still don't understand, don't get mad at me, and I may go, I'm sorry, I still don't understand that. Could you repeat it one more time? Maybe slower. Maybe I'm just not getting it. But misunderstandings can lead to the separation of close friends as well. It can separate family. It can separate friends. It can separate many folks. In the book of Acts, in 15, Book of Acts 15, chapter 15, 37 through 39. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him, them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should take, not take with them the one who had departed from them in, in uh, Pamphylia and had not gone with them to work. Then the, con the contention, hear that? Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. So watch what happens. If you're not careful, it's contention and misunderstanding will separate us. Yes. Also not taking, uh, uh, taking um, when someone advises you or, or is bringing wisdom into your life, it, will, it could cause you to separate from them because you don't want to hear that wisdom or that word that's being spoken into you. You see, Paul must have understood that there was something not right to take this person with him, right? And so he said, it brought contention. He said, I don't feel like he's ready for work. I don't feel like he's ready to go there. So misunderstanding hinders the work of the gospel. In Philippians, the living Bible, Philippians 4, 2, and 3, and I'm not sure if we have that in our, our armoir here, but it, the Bible says this, and now I want to plead with those two dear women, Eudeus and, and Sinchi, please, please, with the Lord's help, quarrel no more. Be friends again. And I ask you, my true teammate, to help these women, for they worked side by side with me in telling the good news to others, and they worked with Clement, too, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. So there was another misunderstanding that was hindering the work of the Lord. Misunderstandings can, can stifle growth. Misunderstandings can stifle our growth. 
It can hinder the work in the kingdom of God. It can hinder our worship. It can hinder our teaching, hinder our ministry. It hinders our, it'll hinder our friendships. We've got to be mindful of those things. So mindful because it, affects, it can affect the flow of God's spirit in the house of God. I've watched marriages that, that uh, have uh, mis, uh, misunderstanding, and, and, and because they have a misunderstanding, there's disunity in the home. And then you have to, if you don't talk through those misunderstandings, that, that disunity stays in the home. And so then one comes in, and, and they look at that person, and they don't say, hello, good evening, how are you, good to see you, how was your day? It's just like, uh, a grunt, uh, right? That is not good communication misunderstanding can result in mistreatment genesis 37 26 through 27 this is in the new king james version uh, the bible says so judah said to his brothers what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood come and let us sell him to the ishmaelites and let not our hands be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brother brothers listen so misunderstanding can cause mistreatment we can shun them we can uh, maybe try to shove them off and not not communicate so misunderstandings you must be you must be mindful of misunderstandings causing us to mistreat people right um, you know, I, I'm in, I, I'm a, I guess I'm just a unique individual. Um, only thing I can say is God has definitely done something with me that only God could do. Um, I'm the type of person that I can deal with something, and after we deal with it, as long as I've handled myself properly, it's over. I don't dwell on it anymore. I don't think about it anymore. It's over. I mean, it, it's actually off the, it's like when Jesus, you know, when, when, I, when I sin and I go, Jesus, please forgive me of my sin, it, the eraser begins to work. That's the way it is with me, with, with uh, situations and, and circumstances. I, I, don't, I don't carry a, a, a I don't carry, uh, in the old days they said you got an ax to grind with someone. No, I don't have an ax to grind with no one. I don't carry no grudge. I let it go. It belongs in God's hands. After we've had this, it's over. I'm, I'm through. I'm, I'm moving on. But misunderstanding can result in loss. John 6:53 says this. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. John 6. 66 says this, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So, uh, misunderstanding can result in a loss of my walk with God, my faith with God, my, my relationship with God, and many of people go that route because they misunderstood what's going on in, in the spirit realm or, and in the carnal realm, the, the fleshly realm. So you must, be under, you must understand, Jesus is telling him, you know, and they, got, they took offense. And from that time, many disciples went back and walked not with him. They walked with him no more. So misunderstanding can lead to persecution. Okay, in Acts 14, 19, it says this, The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitude, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So misunderstanding can result in persecution. Now that's pretty aggressive, being stoned, drug out of the city, and left for dead, uh, or assumed dead. But we today can use persecution in vocabularies. We can use it in... Um, how we treat one another in the church, uh, how we treat our loved ones at home, how we treat our family, how we treat the church family. So uh, understand, uh, we all will be tested with this. We're all going to go through these 
uh, these uh, tests. Misunderstandings can lead to false doctrines. In 2 Peter 3.16, the Bible says this, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in all which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. I'll say that again. Misunderstandings can lead to false doctrines. And Paul, uh, Paul is speaking here, and he's saying, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught, these are untaught people, and you can see untaught people sometimes, even taught people get sidetracked, and unstable people. So my question to you would be, what, what is an unstable person? Unstable person is someone that's not committed to the kingdom of God. They're not committed to prayer. They're not committed to reading the word of God. They're not committed to the house of God. And I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm going to say this only because every time I say this, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, someone feels like I'm attacking them. I understand that if you have health issues and health situations that are very dangerous to being in an environment where COVID could exist, it could. We're safe. We try to be safe. Let me say that. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the healthy people that could be in the house of the Lord, that need to be in the house of the Lord, that have lost their way. Okay? And so that's, that's unstable people. They twist their own, their people twist to their own destruction. At, they say, well, I don't really have to follow all that. I don't really have to believe all that the Bible says. I'm going to tell you something. This is not, this might, they might call it a novel, but this is not just some uh, fake uh, make-believe word that's been written. This is God's word, and God's word is alive and well. His word has corrected me. His word has disciplined me his word has challenged me his word has taught me his word has led me his word has helped me make decisions that I, I needed to make I trust God's word and so I follow it from Genesis to Revelation uh, many a times you've heard me say that the Bible is not a buffet where you can pick and I'm glad they shut buffets down but um the bottom line is, is I can't go through here and just go, you know, hmm, I like that bit of word, you know, oh, I don't like that word, that word, ah, it's like eating peas or lima beans, right, ah, but God's word, whether it tastes good, whether it don't taste good, is God's word, and it does not change, it does not change. Paul talks about these same things in all his letters, but, but part of what he says is hard to understand. Some, some are ignorant and unsteady people, even destroying themselves by twisting what he said. They do the same thing with other scriptures as well. Misunderstandings occur when people misinterpret or mistake the true significance of actions, words, attitudes, or motives. You must understand people's motives. Right? Um, I won't get off track. Let me stay focused. Misinterpret mistakes. Mistakes the true significance of actions, okay? People's actions. These are things that we will see as a test in our walk with God. We'll see people that uh, they have... Uh, they have attitudes, and then we have to figure out how do we deal with that attitude. We have to understand that some people have motives that are not for us. It's for them. Okay, Genesis 37 and 8 says, And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dream 
Now, this is Joseph. He was very, they, his brothers were very angry. Now, his motives, I don't believe he had a motive of gloating, but I think his presentation came over as if he was gloating and as if, oh, you all will serve me. And so they misinterpreted that. They misunderstood his words, his attitude, and his motive. But his motive was, there will be a day that God will use me and I will bring life. I will bring sanctity and protection to your all's life at some point in the future. And Genesis 37.10 said, so he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him. His father was even angry because he misunderstood what he was saying, how God had spoke to him. And what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? Everybody had misunderstood the whole purpose of this dream. They misunderstood the dream. Now we've got David's motives, and they were under, misunderstood by his brothers in 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now Eli, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eli's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness with? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. His, his own brothers, David's own brothers, misunderstood that he was on a mission. God had already trained him and taught him how to take a bear out, how to take a lion out. And no giant was going to come into this, uh, into his father's kingdom and to their kingdom and their community and tried to defy the name of the Lord. And so he was there because he was on a mission. And they misunderstood what his mission was. Why is why the misunderstanding test? Glad you asked. Because it's to humble us as it reveals our own weaknesses. It will humble you because it's revealing your weakness that you have. It also, uh, it teaches you that you don't always communicate effectively. I find sometimes I don't communicate effectively. We do not always see the big picture as God sees it. See, sometimes you're told something or the pastor says something because God has given him something to say, because God saw the big picture for the future of that soul that God told the shepherd to speak into, and because you did not listen, you did not know what the real big picture is behind you or, or, or before you. And you and I don't always get to see the big picture. We don't get to see the picture sometimes till we step into the picture and we go, wow, it's beautiful. Or, wow, I didn't really think it was going to go that way. Or, oh, my gosh, this is bad. Right? Oh, showing us our weakness. Our weaknesses teaches us to rely on God and his word and not just our own abilities. Something God has really worked on me with. I, I, I want to, my focus has truly been God, not my will, but thy will be done. You know, God has given, and I don't, I, I, I was reading, I was reading where, you know, there are people that wanted to sell the gospel. They wanted to sell healing powers. They wanted to profit off of that. They were trying to profit off of things that hadn't, that were not profitable to be being profitable to them. It was about healing people so that they would be healed it wasn't for the disciples to gain income by walking with a healing power it was because they were doing the work of the Lord and so people wanted to profit off of that we need to trust the word of God I don't know what kind of talents I have I don't know I don't really know any I, I try to 
I try to ask God to help me to focus on which talent I might have and how many talents I might have and if I have any. But what I do do is I operate in faith. That's all I know to do. If somebody tells me they're sick, I'm going to operate in faith. God told me not to worry about it. Just go do what he said. Lay hand on the sick and the sick shall recover. If they don't recover, it's not because I did not not act in faith. It's because he chose not to heal or he chose not to deliver or he chose not to rescue. Whatever that situation is, my job is to operate in faith and his word. By these signs, they shall know you. By these signs, they will know you. These signs shall follow them that believe. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So if, you're, if you really want to understand, you really want to know, this is important, reading the word of God. And I, I know that there are some people that can't read, and so uh, if you get a smartphone, and I don't say this disrespectfully, I don't read well. I say this for my own, um, this is what I do for myself. I'll hold the Bible, and I put the Bible on, and I let, the Bible, I let this read it, and I, try, and I follow it in the Scripture. I do that because I don't read well. But I know one thing, if I listen to the word, I'm putting word in. When I run my finger over it, I touch the word. I feel the word going in. And so for those that have trouble reading, that might be an avenue for you to use. But know this, we live by God's word. I don't live by man's word, I live by God's word. And if the man in the pulpit is not preaching God's word or the woman in the pulpit is not preaching God's word, that's why the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved. You ought to be able to rightly divide the word and go, hmm, that word didn't come out of here. That was man birth, not God birth. Anyway, being misunderstood brings humility in our lives. It is hard to be proud when everyone misunderstands your motives, your words, and your actions. So you, you, pr proud, pr uh, proud is... Pride is one of the worst things we can ever have. Um, we need to crucify that and, you know, uh, I, I mean, you got to be careful with pride. You know, you got to be careful with it. I mean, even, you just got to be careful. The three greatest virtues of Christianity, this was said by St. Augustine, was humility, humility, humility. Humility is an exclusive Christian virtue being humble no other religion expects humility from its followers people are consumed by self-interest it is a me first generation if you don't toot your own horn you won't be noticed if everyone and it's everyone for themselves his or herself it's a dog eat dog world we live in and work in we know that people say, well, you know, um, Fred is trying to climb over my back to get up the ladder. You know, those are the things we say. But what we need to do, really, I'm going to tell you something. It's amazing if you will let God begin to build you in the workplace. When you let God, when you give God glory for your position in your job, Give God glory for who you are. You may have went to school, but God gave you the mind to do the work. God gave you the ability to get through that school. And when you give God glory for everything, I don't care if it's washing dishes. I don't care if it's, because that's how I started out, washing dishes. Well, yeah, wa I was washing dishes. That was my first, well, working on a farm, I was feeding horses. That was the first one. But anyway, you know what I mean? And I didn't understand giving God glory. I really didn't. I didn't even understand until I was 31 to give God glory for, I mean, and when you look back over the, the years of where God brought you from and, and everything that God has given you and done for you while you've been serving him, it's, a, it's like, man, you know, I, I, I was just thankful that I 
was able to show up to work on time and do the job that was given to me, and then if they told me to stay late, I just stayed late. I didn't run home. I didn't go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, we only work eight hours a day. I'm not working another six hours tonight. I mean, there were weeks where I was working 80 hours a week in one week. And, and not once did we go, the team that I worked at the work, at the, at the job, did we go, oh, wait a minute, um, 5 o'clock quitting time. Are you staying? Uh, the boss, when he said it's time to stay and get the work done, we got the work done. We got paid for it. Anyway, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and we live in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. John 13, 4 through 5 in the New Life version, Jesus got up from the supper and took off his coat. He picked up a cloth and put it around him. Then he put water into a wash pan and began to wash, wash the feet of his followers. He dried their feet with the cloth that he had put around himself. Hear me. He wasn't, he wasn't concerned about his self-interest at that point. He was teaching them something. He was teaching them humility. Teaching them foot washing and, and things like that brings pride down. I know we haven't done foot washing in a long time. Of course, with COVID now, you couldn't. But um, it, it definitely is a humbling experience to wash someone's feet and pray over them and ask God to bless them. And, it, and, it, and here's what will, God will always, always, always do to you in a foot washing. Let there be a child of God that you have a misunderstanding with that you would prefer somebody other brother to wash that man's feet. Not God. He said, I'm saving him for you until you get that pride fixed and that misunderstanding fixed and get all that stuff that's wrong in you out. He, nobody would go to him. I'm saying, I'm like, I sit there, you know, I, I went over here and washed this man's foot. I'm, I'm praying, oh, God, oh, God, and that man's still sitting. Nobody even went over and washed the man's feet. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I wanted to go, hey, pastor, you think, that was when Bishop was pastor. I was like, hey, pastor, you think you can get somebody to go over and do brother's feet? You know, uh, uh, oh, no. It was almost like pastor knew that one's waiting for you. You better get over there. And God has a way of working that misunderstanding out, bringing that pride out, and breaking that. Misunderstanding reveals pride. When we are prideful, we have or are prone to this self-importance, self-indulgence, self-sufficiency, and self-righteousness. That's why we can say things like, well, I don't believe the word anymore that you preach, or... I don't believe this anymore. I don't, somebody in the church don't like me or my children, you know, they can't really, nope, everybody talks about my children when they come here because they ain't serving God. I, I pray to God. I would not want to be a child of God that talks about anybody's children that comes to the house of God. And I don't believe we have that here, but if we do, I would deal with that. But the bottom line is self-righteousness comes to a place where you start accusing people of being self-righteous when they're not self-righteous. Misunderstanding reveals the necessity of patience. Being misunderstood means that we often have to lay, plan, lay plans aside until the misunderstanding is revealed. Not everyone will agree with us. Not everyone is fast to understand as we do. Again, being misunderstood means that we often have to lay plans aside until the misunderstanding is revealed. I pray that I always know when there's a misunderstanding. I've been through misunderstandings. I've been through it. That's what kind of what birthed all these tests over the years of going through these things. But misunderstanding reveals the necessity of forbearance and forgiveness because of the differences we have as people being educational, being social status, being generational views, cultural differences, and different weaknesses, we must be patient with the weak 
and not be envious of those who are stronger. Scripture, Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13 says this, Make allowance for each other's faults. I'm going to say that again. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you and I, so you must forgive others. Misunderstanding helps us to measure our maturity. Misunderstanding will help us to measure our maturity. How mature am I? James 3.2 says this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Another translation says this, For we all go wrong in a number of things. If a man never makes a slip in his talk, then he is a complete man, mature, and able to keep all his body in control. The Bible tells me that for all, all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. And the Bible also says one of the hardest parts of the member to tame is the tongue. And so it's very important that we stay close to God. I'm coming to a close. Very important that we stay close to the Lord because we need the Lord to keep our tongue. You know, I, I, I can tell you when God came into my life, um, over 25 years ago, I, I was probably the, I probably cussed better than a sailor. I probably had a dirtier mouth than a sailor. But when God came into my life, he cleaned my tongue. He, he took every foul word, every disgusting thing that I would say, and he just cleaned it. He, he, and if, if I got angry and it slipped, it, it brought such conviction that I would repent and cry that I had messed up and used, and used a word that I should never have used since God came into my life. Anyway, I don't know why I went there. But the danger in dealing, with, dealing badly with misunderstanding is this. It brings anger. It brings resentment. It brings unwise responses. Many have been warned about the responses that they've done or they've made, decisions they've made. It, it, it brings mental, emotional, and spiritual baggage along with it. It brings despair and bitterness. Conflict and bitterness in the church may be the single most damaging matter to the work of God. In the secular world, how one gets along with a fellow worker is more important than, than experience, intelligent, intelligence, gifts, and abilities. Misunderstanding forces us to learn. This is what it, 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 it teaches you. It learned to speak more clearly. Be more tolerant of others. Be patient with the slower pace of others. That means children of God that may not be at your level where you walk and where you are in your, in your walk with God. Uh, I, you know, I remember... Uh, as a child, um, dad was carrying my sister because she was younger than me. And, you know, it was either run to catch up or they grabbed you by the hand and, you know, you're, you're running. Their feet are just walking and you're, you're getting, you're running. I wasn't able to be fast at that time. And even in my spiritual, if I turn this into a spiritualness, uh, to talk about spiritual matters. As a new child of God, when I came to the Lord, they'll tell you that most people, when God delivers them from the drugs and the alcohol and the sin that they were delivered from, that they want to tell everybody what God has done. I pray I never lose the desire to tell people how God has delivered me. 
But because I was so overwhelmed with the goodness of God, I was telling everybody that God had delivered me from drugs, alcohol, put my marriage back together, put my children back into my life, and everything. Well, there were some misunderstandings about that with me from other people. And because I was immature in the Lord, I didn't quite understand all those things, right? I didn't understand that stuff. They wanted me to be grown up Christian child of God, but I was I was still a baby. I still I still consider my baby of being a baby in Christ. I'm really only 25 years old in Christ. So I really don't I mean and this is no I'm not saying anything to anybody's age. I'm just saying for me I feel I don't feel like a 83-year-old who'd been serving God for 60-some years, you know, I just don't feel that. I, I, I'm just grateful that I can get up every morning with a made-up mind that, that, Christ, you are Lord of my life. You're my Savior. I thank you for reaching down into my mess and into my clay. So not everybody's going to be ready to run like you, knock doors like you, read the Bible every day. I know I preach that because that's what I'm supposed to preach. But I have to have patience with you, too. I must be humble in the face of opposition. I must control. This is what we must do. We must control our responses to prevent worsening the circumstances. A misunderstanding, as misunderstandings occur often and do such damage, it is important for a Christian to learn how to deal with misunderstandings effectively. <clears throat> there's misunderstandings in homes with children, with marriages, in the church. There's misunderstandings in, on the workplace, on the, on the job force. And you must, under, you must look at them and try to react to them with wisdom and understanding, asking God. You know, I was, I, it was said that I, I'm a slow, I, I'm a pastor that respond, rea, uh, reacts slowly to circumstances or situations in the church. And that's, I, I'm guilty of that. But I've learned to pray and to seek the face of God before reacting or handling a situation. And what I have found in doing so, it's given me time to get control of my, my uh, actions, my words, and my spirit to be able to sit with someone and talk to them and work through things or at least lay out what they've done or where they are. So everyone will be misunderstood at some point in his or her life. The thing is, is how will one deal with misunderstandings? It will, it will reveal one's character, their maturity, and the ability to lead. lead. Failing to, the misunderstanding test often leads, to, leads us to defeated and embitterment. Passing it brings us closer to the character of God. I want to have a character of God. I want to be closer to God in these last days. I, I know that um, in this day and hour that we live in, things are stressful for everyone. And all of us can misunderstand. I would encourage people to probably guard themselves what they say on Facebook because it can be misunderstood. Um, social media I, I would encourage you to be cautious of what you post what you say on social media period um, it was you just got to be careful misunderstanding is a test that all of us will go through and I, my prayer is, is that you and I will pass the test and be able to be a witness to somebody in the near future of, that may be going through a, a misunderstanding test or trial. May the Lord richly bless you. Let's stand. Let's worship as we close tonight. I pray God bless each and every one that's been online tonight. I pray that this, this uh, Bible study of misunderstanding that we will be tested with, God, that you would minister to us through your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship with us as we sing. There is no one like you, there is no
Your heart and